Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 121, where in a moment we're looking at passive versus active investing. That's in a moment, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes today, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney, and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time, we looked at property versus pensions. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Okay, so we're talking passive versus active investing in this episode. I suppose the place to start is with a, a definition for both. So what exactly is is passive investing? Yeah, pa- passive investing, I would say it, it's like investments that track a specific benchmark. So usually it'll track maybe a stock market index or or maybe several stock market indexes so or indices, I should say. So that, that's what I would kind of like say as a a sort of passive investment it's just one that tracks something as opposed to one that actually like is is managed which we'll touch on in a moment and that's how you define an active investment then is it if it's managed yeah well active investments what, what happens there is you've got someone or a team of people looking to beat the benchmark so so they're actively kind of managing the investment. So there's a couple of different approaches you can take to that. One, one is what's called a, a top-down approach, or the, the other is a, a bottom-up approach. So a, a top-down investor, what, what they'll do is they'll look at investing in certain sectors. They would also look at things like the economic cycle. So they would say, right, where are we in the, the economic cycle just now and what investments would do well in that sort of cycle? So they, they'll look at things like the, the GDP of a, a country. So that's like gross domestic product, how how they think um, things will, will perform there. They'll look at employment trends, tax, interest rates. So they, they're looking at all that type of areas. You, you've got also kind of managed investors that will use what's called the a bottom-up approach. And what they'll look at more specifically here is investing in certain companies. So the likes of Warren Buffett, for example, he'll use this approach. So he'll analyse a company to see how he thinks it will perform over the longer term. So that's that's kind of like they, they're picking companies that they think will do well, as opposed to an index fund, which will just track an, in, uh, the, an index where they actively manage stuff, they're actually looking at picking more companies or or sectors that they think will do well. Okay, so those are the major differences between the two. If I'm interested in the idea of, of passive investing, Phil, are there companies which deal in that as a, as a specialty? Yeah, there are. I would say over the last number of years, um, one of the popular ones, a company called Vanguard, um, they've got a large range of, of index funds and they're one of the the kind of most used providers for for that type of investment. And you, you do find, though, a lot of providers and platforms, they've got access to funds 
that will track a certain index or, or indices. When I was advising several years back, I used to use a lot of the legal in general, had a lot of index sort of tracking funds. And I used them because they, they were good. They were cheap funds. They did quite a, a good range of, of funds as well. So that, there's there's plenty of plenty of options out there for people. Would I, as a customer, approach a company directly or will they only deal with a financial advisor? Hey, some companies will allow you to deal directly with them. So that, that is a possibility for, for people. And um, what, what I would say, though, is even with, with like index funds, that there's so many options out there. You know, I'm always a great advocate for, for people taking financial advice. And I mean, if, if you take legal in general, for example, who, who I was saying there that I used to use quite a lot years ago when I was advising, I mean, they've got funds that track UK markets. They've got funds that track global equities. They've got funds that track the, the Japanese index. They've, they've even got one that tracks global health and pharmaceuticals index. So there are many, many different options that are out there. Okay. And and let's take a look at the pros and cons. I mean, I, I'm just sitting listening to you talking about the active investing, thinking, wow, that's pretty involved. It's probably going to cost more. But what are the what are the advantages and disadvantages of each each type of investment? Should we look at the advantages of, of active investments first, Phil? Yeah, I suppose with active investments in simple terms, active investors are, are kind of attempting to outperform the returns of a specific benchmark, whereas passive investors accept market returns by tracking that specific index. But I'd, I'd say like the advantages of, of um, active investments, you've got more flexibility, especially in volatile markets. If you're in a tracker fund, that's just going to go up or down regardless. Whereas if, if you're in an actively managed fund, they can have a bit more flexibility there for, for buying and selling things. Another advantage is it can be good for, for tax management as well. You might say, right, I want to sell at this particular point for, for tax reasons. So there, there can be sort of good tax advantages. But I, I would say that the kind of flexibility, especially in volatile markets, is usually one of the, the advantages of the like more of a, an actively managed strategy. Okay, and and the big plus points for for passive investing. Yeah, for for passive investing, I mean, the the major thing is that the as you say that the charges are lower. Hmm. That that's one of the the things, and it's it's funny. Like recently, a lot of the passive funds have actually done better than than some of the the actively managed funds. So um, it, it swings and roundabouts really as well. And But the, the major plus point for passive investing is that lower charges. And because it's got lower charges, that can often lead to better performance as well. Okay. And and the downsides to both of them, again, um, shall we start on the, the negatives for active investing, first of all? Yeah, I mean, for, for active investing, I, I suppose the, the disadvantage is you've then got higher fees and charges usually. Again, you, you've also got a possible increased risk. I mean, over the last wee while, markets they started picking up again. But last year, the year before, markets were were very kind of up and down. But one one thing I would say is with, with kind of more active investing, that there is a possible increased risk there as well. I mean, this is uh, this goes back to you know when someone comes into invest on anything you assess somebody's now what is it let, let me see if i can get this phil someone's uh how, how a risk averse they are 
Someone, uh, attitude yeah, to risk. Attitude to risk. That's the phrase I was trying to think of. And they, um, they'll also look, I mean, financial advisors also look at something called capacity for loss. Yeah. So it's like, can you afford to lose money? Can you take the hit, fact, yeah. We often come across negative at times because really you should say, how much can you afford to gain? No, it is, it's important with, with any investment, it's, it's important to kind of recognise the risks, the, the possible rewards. And, and one thing I would say as well is that past performance is never a guide to, to future performance. That disclaimer you, you'll see in a, a lot of places when you go mm-hmm. on various sort of financial institution websites. So, And they, they, they've also got the disclaimers about the value of investments can fall and you may get back less than you invested. It all depends on, on where you're going. But yeah, attitude to risk, that is a, a big kind of thing as well. Yeah, and uh, so th- there is that that possible increased risk with um, with active uh, investing. Yeah. I suppose the flip side of it is, you know, depending how you invest, there's the chance to make more money as well. In in the uh, in in that yeah, sort of that's, thing. I know that's it. And then when it comes to to the sort of passive investments, I mean, you, you've got there are kind of negatives there as well. I mean, what one disadvantage of passive is that you don't really have an exit strategy, especially in like severe bear market. So you, you've got bull markets, which is when things are rising and a bear market is when things are, are falling. So if you're in a market which has fallen, you, you may want to come out at that time. But with an actively managed kind of strategy, you can plan for when you're looking to exit the markets. Mm. So that I suppose that's probably a, a slight advantage of that and a disadvantage of, of passive investing. Would, I mean, so when you're passively investing, though, you've got you're tracking the market. Presumably, somebody's looking after it for you. So, if they see that there's there's a real problem, are they going to get out sooner rather than later? See, that's it. Just with the with investments that are tracking something, they will just mirror whatever they're they're looking to mirror. So, with that, there's no kind of oh, now's a good time to come out of it. Right. I, I guess that's where your financial advisor come in. But then if things are down, that, that's often the time where you want to kind of hold tight and not withdraw your funds yeah. out. But then yeah. somebody, for, for example, if you're saving into a pension, you might say, right, I want to retire at a certain date. Now, it's it's different these days because a lot of people will, years ago, people would buy what was called an annuity. So you wanted to plan for that. The last thing you wanted was markets to suddenly plummet right before you retired. So if you're purchasing an annuity, what people would look to do is maybe move into a strategy where they were in more cautious assets the, the closer they got to, to retirement. But nowadays, I mean, we've still got people doing annuities, but a lot of folk will do sort of draw down and leave their money invested. But if you're taking your money out when markets are, are down, that's nearly, you want to really be taking money out when markets are up, but then that's when people see it doing well and think, well, we'll just stay put and hope it yeah. continues yeah. to do well. So it all depends what you need the funds for and, and when you need them. But again, that's where a good financial advisor can can help someone as well. We're going to come in with the $64,000 question in just a moment, Phil. But I, I guess one of the other things that I want to know is how much, you know, how much money do I need to start getting involved in either passive or the, the, the managed situation, passive yeah. or active investing. How much do I need to get involved in that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's it. There's companies out there that, that you can deal with that, that'll kind of start things off at, say, 
£25 a month that you can invest regularly. I, I always like investing on a regular basis because you've got what's called pound cost averaging where you're buying in at, at different points as well. But whether it's like a, an active or passive funds that you're investing in, there, there are places out there that you can invest in for, for really quite small amounts. Same as well, lump sums doesn't have to be sort of grand amounts. I mean, I think we've covered on some podcasts, you will get some financial advisory firms that will say, look, we've got a minimum wealth value mm. of X amount. But there, there's options out there for, for everybody. There's companies out there that I could put people in touch with if if they felt, no, I'd rather kind of pick some funds myself. But I always think it's good to get financial advice because you've got experts there then guiding you on, on the different options. Okay. Uh, and that $64,000 question that I was going to ask is, which is best, passive, active? What do you think? See, it's uh, like looking <laughs> over the last year, index funds have tended to outperform the actively managed funds over the, the last year or so. You get exceptions to that. I mean, there, there are some active funds that have, have done really, really well in the last year. Most of them haven't. I mean, it, as a whole, last year wasn't a great year for, for people that were invested generally. And even if you speak to two different financial advisors, you can get two different kind of views on it. You'll, you'll get some advisors that'll be like, look, the, the evidence suggests that over the longer term, passive investing is best. And then you'll get other financial advisors that'll kind of say, well, our, our approach, we prefer the active investing because you've got somebody looking to, to beat the markets. But for me, probably the more important thing is you, you mentioned about the, the attitude to risk. And I, I would say for somebody, it's trying to get a portfolio that somebody's comfortable with. So again, weighing up the risks. I, I like diversified portfolios. So I mean, it's never going to be the, the best performing asset class, but also it's never going to be the, the worst. I mean, if, if I look at like over the last few years, last year, a diversified portfolio went down roughly by about 6%. The, the best performing asset class last year was commodities, which went up by almost 42%. And then the worst performing asset class last year, gilts, which is meant to be more of a safer or yeah. less risk. Yeah. Gilts went down by about oh, 23, 24%. It just was was nuts. That that was meant to be the bit of people's portfolios that didn't, uh, that, that um, wasn't a so, such high risk. But if we go back over the last sort of number of years, I mean, like diversified portfolios, if I go back to, to kind of 2019, roughly you're up about 14% there, year after up almost about seven, year after that, about 11.5%, and then last year, down about 6%. So I, I, I don't know, I'm a great believer in diversifying. So for me, that's probably as important a thing as deciding whether an active or, or passive investment is, is going to be best for, for somebody. Okay, you know you talk about diversifying. Can you, can you mix both types, or is that not allowed? I mean, you have passive and active investments as part of your yeah, portfolio. That's... Yeah, that, that's something you can do. So some advisors will call that like a almost a, a blended solution. So I know Andrew, who's come on the podcast covering for me a few times when I'm on holiday, he's a great believer in that approach because he thinks, right, it's good to have a bit of some managed funds in there, but we'll also look to try and keep your costs down by incorporating some kind of index tracking funds as well. Mm. So that's a strategy I know he believes kind of greatly in. So yeah, you, you can sort of have almost like blended solutions as well. 
Now, on previous podcasts, Phil, we've looked at ESG investing, which from memory is a sort of um, a more responsible type of investing where you're putting money into things which are doing good for the world at large, let's say. That's my memory of it anyway. Is that something that you can can get with passive investments? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's funds and and exchange-traded funds out there that track various benchmarks that align sort of with, with this type of investors. So going back to ESG, it stands for environmental, social, and governance. And this that sort of investing is growing sort of quite rapidly mm. in popularity. What one thing I would say is when you are looking at tracking some of these ESG indices, they, they can all adopt quite diverse kind of methodologies based on a range of kind of exclusionary and inclusionary sort of rules. So you, you might get somebody that says, right, I don't want to invest in this or that. But if it's just tracking a, a specific index, it's a lot harder to, to kind of do that. So yeah. they, these kind of rules dictate what's sort of included and what's excluded from the index. So there, it's like how diversified a portfolio is based on the, the benchmark. So... So again, I wouldn't say it's not suitable for some, but at least it's good that there is some of that type of options out there as well. And just by way of a, a sort of quick tip from a, a man with his eye in the game, Phil, a bit like asking the trainer, you know, which of your horses should I bet on? What active funds performed best last year? Just give us a recap of that, because you mentioned commodities yeah. and things were doing quite well. I mean, lo- looking at some of the funds that did well last year, there's one BGF World Energy. That fund was up 57.16%. JP Morgan, they, they've got what's called Natural Resources Fund. Years ago, I had some of my pension money in that fund. In the last year, that went up by close to 33% in, in the last year. And they, JP Morgan also had the, their Latin America equity fund, which was up by 18.6%. But I would say, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, past performance is not a guide to the future. And what you tend to find is that some funds may do well one year, but they, they can do sort of really poorly the following year. And to give you a good example of that, Morgan Stanley US Growth Fund last year was down by almost 56%. Wow. But the year before, it was one of the best performers. <laughs> it was up 110% that year. So they're the sort of funds that can be really volatile. Yeah, if somebody times it right and goes in and, and it can do really well, but... Nobody knows when to time stuff. That, that's the, the kind of thing that is really hard to do. So but what I would say is that, I mean, over the, the last sort of year, a lot of these active, actively managed funds have actually underperformed their, their kind of benchmark. I mean, if, if I look at how sort of passive funds have done, I mean, like, like I say, they just sort of track a specific sort of thing. Mm. I mean, like looking at the, the FTSE 100 last year, it was up by almost 1% kind of last year. But but if we look at it in the past month from record from today's date that we're recording this, in the past month, the FTSE's been up um, 6.11%. So it depends where people are investing. I, I mentioned the FTSE because that's the index that's probably the most commonly known one that, that's out there. But there's so many different stock market indices out there that, investments can sort of track as well. Okay, so as I always say, Phil, can you tie this one up for me in a a neat little bow? What are the the key takeaways from this podcast episode on passive versus active investing? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, like I say, different financial advisors will will have a different approach to this and some will kind of 
be heavily in the favour of active investments. Others will, will say that passive is best, and that's what, what people should be doing. So it's good to consider different options. And, and if you go and speak to your financial advisor, they, they'll be able to keep you right on, on all of that as well. Okay. We'll get on to our, our quote of the week in just a second. But first, let's take a look at how this week's topic has affected Phil's own life in one way or another. Phil, our subject, as you know, passive versus active investing. What have you got on that subject from your own experience? For, for me personally, I've tended to go more in, in my own investing journey. I've tended to go more for kind of like actively managed funds. Like I said there, I, my, my own pension at one point in time was invested in the JP Morgan Natural Resources Fund. There was a time when it had really kind of tanked and I thought, right, now's a good time to go into this. And it was quite speculative though. I mean, I, at the moment, say, I, I've got my pension with Royal London and they, they actually use, they, they've got options again where you can have like blended solutions as well. So at the moment, I, I'm in one of that kind of blended solutions where part of it just tracks one of the, the stock markets indexes eh, or indices, sorry, and, and the rest is invested in different kind of areas. But like I say, I, I'm always a great believer that it's good to, to spread your risk and not have all your eggs in, in one basket as well. Absolutely. Now, let's do this bit. Um, it's Phil's quote of the week. This is the part of the show where Phil gives us a quote in the relevant subject topic because he's always loved and benefited from inspirational quotes throughout his life. So, Phil, passive versus active investing. Uh, now, if I had to guess... I would say, is Warren Buffett incoming here? <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, it's, how, how did you know? <laughs> Looking at the, the quote I've got this week, I mean, one, one thing I would say with investing is it's for the long term. It's nay something to be speculative, try to make sort of short-term games because uh, gains, because you can really get your fingers burnt kind of doing that. Investing is a, a long-term thing. And the, the quote of the week is a Warren Buffett one. Only buy something that you'd be happy to hold if the markets shut down for 10 years. Wow. I thought that was quite a good one for... Yeah, that is a long-term view. For like the... To show, look, it is it's long-term kind of investing that mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at here. Okay. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. I've got quite a bit invested, which I've accumulated over the course of my life. I don't really take an active role in it, but I understand it's managed well and will be something I can leave for my kids and grandkids. Might sound like a stupid question, but do I have to cash in my chips, as it were, before I actually cash in my chips for good? Or can I pass on the investments, managed as they are, to someone else via my will? Yeah, you, you can do, can I either? I guess it's trying to look and say, well, what would, like, whoever you're passing it on to, what's their kind of goals and objectives going to be? Um, the other thing I would say as well is, like, what, like, once the money is passed on, are they going to be like have the same risk tolerance as what you would? There's probably a number of factors kind of there and things to to kind of weigh up and, and consider. But yeah, you can kind of can really do either in that situation. Okay. Uh, next up, here's one from Caitlin in Stranra who says, "Hi Phil, I'm hoping to buy a second property to use." as a short-term rental, like an Airbnb, uh, to make a second income. A friend told me I'll have to watch where I get a mortgage for this, as some lenders won't allow a property to be used in this way. So I was wondering, are there any lenders who do mortgage products specifically tailored for this? That, that's one good thing. You, you've got, I mean, some companies will do mortgages for, for holiday lets. You've got others that are happy 
to, to do kind of Airbnb. You, you've got you, your more traditional buy-to-let lenders. They like it if you've got like a tenancy agreement in place as opposed to, to Airbnb. But they, they sort of like Airbnb sort of places, they're, they're becoming a lot more popular now. I think as traditional buy-to-lets change due to the, the sort of tax position and, and things, people are looking at more, right, how can I make more money in and Airbnb is one of them. But yeah, there there are lenders that will consider lending on properties that you're looking to to kind of use for that purpose. Okay. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we may well have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Mellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 121 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. For some reason, every time I say 121, I keep thinking of the darts. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. That way, you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.